Welcome to BSN Radio. I'm your host, Solomon Macy's of Ballistic Strength Nanaimo, the only kettlebell gym north of Victoria, B.C. On this edition of BSN Radio, we welcome Sarah McIntosh to the program. Sarah is a registered kinesiologist and CrossFit Level 1 coach. While at the University of Western Ontario, she competed in AA women's hockey as well as at the national level in track and field. In her final year of university, she served as an athletic therapist for the varsity women's hockey team and has been actively working in the fitness industry since graduating in 2010. Sarah recently opened her own CrossFit affiliate, Rural Strength and Conditioning, in Walkerton, Ontario, Canada. On October 4th, 2014, Rural SC had its grand opening and has had a steady following since. I had the good fortune to interview Sarah this past week and she had some insightful words to share. On a side note, if you want her sweet potato brownie recipe, make sure you visit Rural SC on Facebook and click the like button. Without further ado, let's play that interview. So why don't you tell us a little bit about your pre-collegiate years? Um, So give us an insight into like what you were doing for fitness, like what kind of sports you're playing and uh, just kind of like your basic lifestyle. What, what was that lifestyle that you led before you entered university? Oh goodness. I was into pretty much any sport I could. Um, In high school, I pretty much played on most of the teams Um, my main two sports were hockey and track and field. Um, so with that, I would, like I was on a double A hockey team. Uh, so we traveled everywhere, um, track meet in Windsor sort of thing. So we were kind of driving all over the place, but, um, yeah, mainly my fitness wasn't, oh, I want to look a certain way. I want to do this. It was, I want to be the best I can at these sports. And so, yeah. Do you think that kind of built the foundation for where you're at now? Because I personally think that, um, at least say if I get a new client in, one of my first questions is, have you ever played organized sports before? Mm Because if they haven't, it gives me a pretty good indication usually that their body awareness is just going to be fairly non-existent. Yeah. Well, even just drive too. Um, Like being able to push yourself now when it is just kind of a workout sense and it's not so much a a team sport where you're trying to you've got x amount of time in a game that you've got to get you know beat the other team um you still have that drive to work a little harder in your workouts whereas people that haven't had that background I don't know they kind of conk out a little earlier and don't really push themselves but Mm -hmm. I mean that's kind of hasty generalization too there's tons of people out there that haven't played sports that are still you know, kick butt every day. Right. Or that have that ambition in other aspects of their life. Yeah. Um, which brings up another kind of interesting point. I, I usually find that, I mean, for me, I mean, reaching my, my training goals and my uh, aesthetic body image goals is probably more, uh, I don't want to say easy, but um, I can achieve those a bit easier than the next person because they try, they invest all of their effort towards some other aspect of their life. Even if mm-hmm. right now they think that my top priority is losing this 30 pounds, they're mm-hmm. really more dedicated to something else. Whereas me, it's like, it's pretty much my top priority. Do you, yeah. find, do you find that's, that's, that rings true? Yeah. And for a lot of people, you know, pretty much what you said, like, they say losing weight's their thing, but they've got a job, a family, kids to take here and there, and yeah, they've got 20 other things on the go, but 
Yeah, mm. I would agree with that. <laughs> and um, and that's I, I now at my old age, I've come to realize that I I can't expect so much from all of my clients. I mean, the bottom line, they are going to be there for their own reasons, different reasons. I can't expect all of them to, you know, give 110% all the time because, yeah, they do have other things on their mind and they have other parts of their life that are going to impact what they do in the gym and, and how they live that part of their life. And I've had these conversations with other coaches before where they're like, man, oh, these clients are just annoy the piss out of me. They just, you know, I try to get them to do this thing, but they won't do it and they're just so lazy and I try to give them you know, all these instructions and they just don't do it and they don't listen. It's like, well, you know, mm -hmm. I get that, but some, you just got to come to the realization that some people just go to the gym for different reasons. I mean, I'm sure you can agree. We worked at the same place for a long time and a lot mm -hmm. of people went in there, but just cause we were cheaper than therapists. Pretty much. Yeah. Um, that's probably one of the biggest things I've changed in my coaching, um, the way I coach is I would always expect this, like you are going to do this, this, and this, and this is how you're going to execute it. Um, but, and even in my verbal cues for people, I found I was always correcting and everything was, no, do this, do this, change what you're doing here. And then um, I'm not even sure when the, when the realization clicked for me, but it was like, these people aren't, this isn't their main priority to work out. And, mm -hmm. you know, they are just here to look a certain way, um, you know, be as strong as they can be. And so it's not always about critique and, you know, making sure that, I don't know, you're always correcting them because their head might not be there that day. Yeah. So I don't know, that's kind of, I've changed my verbal cues a lot to uh, pick up on their body language and how they're going throughout the workout and kind of adjust my cues accordingly. <laughs> Because that's the last person someone needs if they're having a bad day and then they come to the gym just to blow off some steam and someone's like, no, you're doing this wrong. You got to make this right. Work harder. Be better. <laughs> right. Yeah. And it can be overwhelming for people. Just, I mean, there, there are going to be other aspects of their life where they're being judged and, you know, we're just, we're just one more person saying, no, you're doing that wrong. Do mm -hmm. it this way. Uh, yeah. Et cetera, et cetera. Uh, Great Cook actually has a, a pretty good article on it's called coaching versus correcting and he kind of goes into detail about that kind of stuff and and maybe mm. how we should approach those types of situations um so moving on getting into university uh first of all what did you go to university for uh what were you studying and um what sort of sports did you get into from there were you, were you playing a lot of the same sports or did your did your um interests kind of shift um i was still in my last year of high school I believe I dislocated my shoulder playing hockey. So I kind of shut down playing hockey and was just focusing on throwing and track and field. Was that, so during, when I went was to that during a fight that you dislocated that shoulder? No, I got tripped in like the first two minutes of a game and then I was out. <laughs> it's terrible. Um, so I couldn't really play hockey after that, but I could still throw and I was still a, mm -hmm. a track athlete. But uh, um, yeah, I went to... Western for kinesiology and I was on the track team there so I was on the track team for three years and then in my last year I did uh, an athletic training program so basically um, we were assigned to a team we got to pick like the top three teams that we wanted to be on and I was on the women's hockey team as their athletic trainer therapist 
Um, so you, like, we went to every practice, went to every game, traveled with them. And what would have been, like, your formal mandate as their athletic trainer? Um, we were basically there as, um, therapists. Like, we did everything. If we helped people warm up, um, before they started, um, if anybody got hurt, we were there basically as first aid, um, we were pretty much their psychologist some days. Um, so it sounds like you took yeah. on more roles than just strictly being an athletic trainer, um, you know, athletic therapist and psychologist and all that stuff. Co- yeah. Counselor, I guess. Yeah, kind say. of. <laughs> okay, cool. Um, now, shifting, you know, your, your, your training from training to, I'm sure that right now you're always trained to get better training to get stronger mm-hmm. training to you know be more mobile or or whatever um but when you kind of shifted gears and you switched from training specifically to uh augment your sports um i mean did that did that affect your training in a good way in a bad way and did you kind of approach your programming differently mm, it probably affected in a I'm not going to say a bad way because it was just different. Like I felt lost because I'd always had someone kind of programming what I was doing. There was always like you showed up at the gym. This is what you were doing. Um, And then I started using the um, like general population school gym. uh, (laughs) The gen gen pop school gym. (laughs) Well, as opposed to like the athletes gym down at the football field where like mainly we did. (laughs) Well, what else do you want to call it? Sounds um, like a prison block. <laughs> <laughs> well, some days it felt like it, but there was a lot of, you know, cardio machines and a lot of free weights and not a lot of barbells and plates and the stuff I had been used to. So I did a lot of running. I had basically taken up, um, oh, throw in there, I broke my elbows that summer. So that was you that summer. That. that was that well, summer? summer after I finished university. You went yeah. ass over tea kettle over your bike <laughs> handles. <laughs> so basically, I couldn't really lift anything, anyways. So my whole well, training. You, you have to tell us this story, though. You have to open. tell us the story of how you actually broke your elbows. Well, let me finish my thought first, okay. or else I'll never come Fair back enough. to it. So I couldn't really lift any weight. This this was the summer after I graduated. So I couldn't really lift weights because I was casted up, but. And then after that, I was so cautious about everything that I did because I just thought that I was fragile. So that's when I started doing triathlons and stuff. So everything was endurance. Like I was running, swimming, biking. That's pretty much all I was doing for working out and uh, not really lifting a lot. Mm -hmm. But the story of the elbows was I was biking through Harris Park during, what is that concert called? Was that right? Rock, rock the park. Yeah, rock the yeah. park, and uh, yeah, I had some drunk guy. I shouldn't even even bike through the park, but that's another story. Um, some drunk guy ran in front of me, so I slammed on my brakes, flipped over, tried to brace myself, and mm-hmm. and then walked myself to two different hospitals, <laughs> pushing my bike the whole way. <laughs> Didn't flag anyone down for help. Um, no, I thought I was, I kept saying this mantra in my head, like, you're not going to die. This is not (laughs) the end of your life. You're going to be okay. But, uh, you were actually able to push your bike and cause you would have had to have gone uphill. 
Yeah, yeah. With your, bro- uh, with your broken arms. Well, and it wasn't even my bike either. So that I, if it was mine, I just would have ditched it in the bush. But I was borrowing <laughs> one of my roommate's bikes. So <laughs> I didn't want to leave it somewhere. Yeah. Oh, man. Good um, times. Very good times. Don't recommend it. Um, yeah, and drunk people jumping out in front of you is pretty much a normal occurrence in London. Yeah. Um, so uh, you, you touched on something interesting uh, on how you were doing mostly endurance sports. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, there's def- definitely a strength aspect to that, like a, a strength of mind, right? Strength of body, mm-hmm. um, being able to kind of push yourself to the edge. D- do you still kind of identify s- the idea of strength with that really intense kind of endurance or is that shifted? That shifted. Um, I did it for two years and it was probably then that I kind of regained my lifting confidence again. Cause like pretty much I healed, I wasn't injured anymore and I wasn't, um, um, I wasn't afraid to lift heavy anymore. And I mean, I probably had that fear for, like a year and a half, two years after I broke my elbows. Um, I don't know. I just, up until that point, I kind of felt invincible and then I felt fragile after that. So um, I realized that I hated swimming and that I was just stressing myself out more by forcing myself to go to the pool. And uh, then when I started lifting again, it was like, you know, this boulder went off of me and it was like, oh yeah, this is fun again. I don't just have to like, bike for four hours a day or something <laughs> the last thing <laughs> so much I more of my do. times opened up i went i went to a spin class the other night and i'm like you know what there are there are, i would rather do anything else but have a bike seat jammed up my ass for the next hour <laughs> it's just... which and some people that's what they love like i met yeah. a lot of triathletes and endurance athletes and i mean they're some of the best people but that's just not my kick. I, I cannot force myself to go to a pool. Like even my parents have a pool in their house. I don't think I've been in it in probably two years because I hate it. <laughs> do you, um, do you know, like, what do you remember about, um, I'm sure that you guys learned like how many calories per minute that each kind of form of exercise burns, right? At some point, maybe you you read it in your textbook. No, you know. Yeah, probably years ago. Yeah, years and years ago. <laughs> well, apparently, swimming is one of those ones where, like for me, swimming's really hard because for the most part, I just sink. <laughs> and treading water is like, that's like torture for me. Um, yeah. So I feel like I'm putting in a lot of work, and I probably am. But apparently, swimming's just one of those ones that apparently you don't really burn that many calories when you do, and. I mean, the the logic behind that is that obviously you have the buoyancy from the water. Mm-hmm. So like you're not working against gravity as hard, but then I'm like, okay, but you also have to wade through all that resistance. It's also thicker than air, right? Yeah. So every single little movement that you make is much more difficult than, you know, your arm stride when you run, for example, right? You actually have to move through that different atmosphere. Yeah. So, but whatever. <laughs> I, don't, I don't swim anyways, so. No. Um, all right. What was your first job? Um, I my mean, first I job mean, out of university out of, or yeah. my first job in general? Yeah, we're not Sorry? talking about painting fences and stuff. <laughs> um, um, first, I don't know, career job, I guess you could say, was in London at uh, the personal training studio. The, which we won't the mention. personal training the studio. The personal training studio. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we won't mention any names. The, but... the premier personal training studio. 
Yeah. I want to call it that. Um, it was a good place, right? I mean, yeah, for the most good. part, it was, it was a good place to be. Uh, I think it was probably, I mean, for me, it was much more along the lines of what I would have wanted to do because I didn't really want to go to the big chain and try and sell packages or anything like that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so, so... It was definitely a good starter. Like, yeah. I'm... Looking back, I wouldn't have changed anything that I did. Like, it definitely gave me... Um, the stepping stones to where I am now, right? Mm -hmm. So. And what was uh, what was the atmosphere like in there? And what were your coworkers um, like? And I'm sure that you've <laughs> seen a bunch come and well, go. And do you have any stories? Actually, no, I was about the coworkers. I was thinking the other day, like, our closest friends from London were probably all the trainers from that gym. And those are the people that I still stay in contact with mm -hmm. are, uh, are every, everyone that worked at that gym pretty much so it was good for something yeah <laughs> these bonds that never break um, yeah yeah no i agree i think uh i think there's it's definitely an opportunity to develop some um, professional respect on top of uh, the friendships i felt like at that job though um because it was my first major job um, like I wasn't in school, it wasn't part-time, it wasn't a summer job, it was my first like full-time job that I was probably probably manipulated a lot because I just agreed to everything. I just wanted to make everybody happy, just, you know, do the best I could and um, like I definitely burnt myself out. Like I was exhausted, I was getting sick all the time and like just agreeing to everything and okay, you're right, I'm wrong, okay, we'll we'll do it your way and just accepting everything as fact. And mm -hmm. I think those were probably my biggest learning things is not to accept everything that the boss says is right. If that makes sense. Totally. Uh, and just swallow I, I, everything I would, that they I would say. Know. <laughs> um, so that being said, I mean, how different are you now from then? Um, I'm definitely a lot more outspoken if something's going on that I don't agree with and I'm, I mean, it's a little different now because I run my own business, but even, um, like when I was in the clinic, if something was going on that I didn't like, like I spoke up about it. I wasn't just timid and accepted it and sat back and, um, yeah, I found like I would get intimidated all the time before. And if there was someone who, um, I don't know who I was intimidated by, I would just kind of cower in the corner where I'm not, Mm -hmm. I don't know. I think I've stepped out now and I'm a little bit more um, comfortable in my own shoes, we'll say. Now, is that confidence kind of uh, uh, built on on top of a combination of uh, newfound knowledge and experience that you have now? I mean, probably both. Yeah. Then, but I'm sure that I mean, if you're anything like me, I'm always trying to learn new things and try and, you know, well, get smarter because I'm not that smart right now. Um <laughs> But always trying to improve my craft and 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 grow, right? So, mm -hmm. uh, and that builds confidence. Do you? Is that kind of uh, attributed? Yeah, confidence? like I feel like I'm way more knowledgeable now. I mean, I do. Like we started with my university background, but I would say very little of what I le learned in university is what I actually apply into my teaching and my coaching now. It's mostly what I've learned since then. The, courses that I've taken, the workshops that I've done, articles that I've read, books that I've read, things like that are kind of more influential than probably my university 
Okay, so that being said, if you were going to give a piece of advice to someone who wants to kind of follow the same road that you did or, or at least kind of arrive where you are now, mm-hmm. would you suggest that they uh, go through that four years um, and pick up that degree? Mm, I would say probably. Like it did, I think having the degree got me to the positions that I was in, whereas if maybe I just had my um, personal trainer certificate, I probably wouldn't have been where I am today. So yeah, it was uh, beneficial. I'm just saying like the the knowledge application isn't really what I'm applying now. Mm-hmm. Did you find that you were able to kind of fulfill the expectations that you had leaving university? I mean, leaving university with the degree that you had, you, you must have thought you were the shit, right? <laughs> oh, now I can just train anyone. I, I can go anywhere. <laughs> so did did you have any goals to be like, you know, I want to help like hundreds of people reach their goals and, and do all these things. Did you find that you were, you're fulfilling those kinds of dreams and aspirations? Um, to be honest, I think I went into that job as a filler before I went to something else. Like it wasn't, I don't know. I feel like, um, Oh, what does that say about me? No, no. I just mean like, (laughs) I didn't know what else to do. So that's what I did. And then from doing that, that's when I kind of like, I didn't walk into the job, like I'm going to change this person and I'm going to change the world and make everyone healthy. I don't know. I was still kind of searching for what I wanted to do, I guess. And then being in there, that's kind of when I got the drive, like, Oh, okay. I can do this. And yeah, (laughs) we can help people. Mm -hmm. Even in the smallest ways. Right. Yeah. Um, cool. Cool. Uh, so eventually you left. How come? Mm-hmm. Um, by this time, again, I kind of touched on it before that I was pretty burnt out. I was pretty tired and um, sick of being taken advantage of. Fucking and, sick uh, of being taken advantage of. <laughs> um, and then uh, one of the clients that I had been training with was training at this other gym, and that's kind of how he... Uh, he approached me and said, you know, I think you'd be great over here. This would be a great spot. So I went and checked it out, loved it. Kind of my, my sense of, I don't know, fitness and helping people was kind of ignited again. Cause by the time, I don't know, I was so, pretty so drained where, after where, I left. Where did you, where did you move to then? We will go ahead and mention the name of this gym. Cause yeah, we'll, cause we'll name no, drop. There's no negative um, comment. So then I went to hybrid. Bam. Name drop. And there we go. Um, and I was still pretty, I don't know if I was wounded or something after I left elite, but I was still pretty timid when I went in there. Like I was intimidated. It was a, it was totally different atmosphere like it was mostly group training it was all one big area as opposed to your tiny little cubby that you got with your individual client um at the personal training studio so I was I was intimidated when I first went in there but loved it and just love their um philosophy about things the way that everybody sorry my cats are getting all up in here um that everybody supported each other and it wasn't just here, you come in, you work out, you leave, you go on to the rest of your life. It was, how can we help manage stress, eating better, sleeping better? Um, like, if you're getting sick, why are you getting sick? How can we help you? Mm-hmm. Pretty much the full uh, full package, not just come here for your workout and then leave. Right. 
So you, you found that the previous gym didn't, I mean, the previous gym did have like, say, for example, a nutrition program and, uh, you know, our, our, the, the, the faculty that ran that, I mean, they're, I would say was probably very passionate about that aspect of their job, mm-hmm. definitely dedicated to helping their clients. Um, so what, what's kind of the difference between, um, approaching those, those, uh, common goals through the way that they did it at the previous gym and, and how they did it at hybrid? Um, well, I think at um, the previous gym, if you wanted to um, have nutritional, any sort of nutrition support, I don't know, the client would have to kind of seek it out themselves or they would have to ask to have it be implemented into their training or something. Mm-hmm. Whereas at this gym, it was like everybody talked about it with each other. There was big um, like boards up on the wall of what um, typically you should be including in your diet or avoiding. Like it was, I'm not, I don't want to say in your face all the time, but it was definitely there that anybody that even walked in could see what their kind of philosophies on eating and training it would be just by walking in the door. Mm-hmm. You would be able to see that. And so what would be the scenario be when you, when a client would come in and they kind of see that board for the first time and, and they'd realize that, oh shit, my diet looks nothing like that. Um, <laughs> I'm so, eating all the things on the don't list. <laughs> exactly. So how, how, how would that conversation go about? I mean, have you been approached by clients regarding, uh, you know, that stuff on the board or how did that kind of pan out? Um, well, anybody that came in for the first time, we would always kind of do a little walk around to show them everything. Um, and then it was definitely a conversation starter having this board up on the wall and then they would start asking about it and if their main goals were say weight loss or just trying to get stronger and healthier then definitely that conversation would go further and like there would be that support there for them but it was always there that they could see it Um, even if they didn't talk about it they'd be able to do like a little mental check like okay, did I do this? Did I do this? I kind of veered into this direction a little bit. I should come back a little bit. Even without having that conversation, they were still getting that reinforcement. Mm -hmm. Strictly as an athlete, where are you now? Where have you been? What have you done? Kind of give us maybe like a brief timeline and and, uh, how you're kind of progressing with uh, yourself as an athlete. So like I touched on before, I was basically a team sport athlete and then I did track and field which is more individual but it's definitely a team aspect um in university is when I started Olympic weightlifting and then yeah started doing the endurance stuff and then when I went back to hybrid that's kind of when I started back into lifting heavy and seriously again and then um Okay, so you're you're lifting more now. Is you is, yeah. So I mean, you could be doing powerlifting. You could be doing Olympic lifting. You could be doing bodybuilding. What's kind of like your primary focus right now? Okay, so basically, yeah, I touched on got into Olympic lifting in university, got away from it, did the endurance thing, and then started back into Olympic lifting when I went to hybrid. Then when I moved home, there wasn't really. Um, And when I say home, like I moved back to uh, where I grew up, Um, there wasn't really any avenues to train like that. Basically, we around there's two gyms and they're basically 
like you come in, you run by yourself, or you do the dumbbells or something. Um, so there wasn't really any avenue for if someone wanted to power lift, de um, Olympic lift, anything like that. There wasn't really an avenue for it. So I kind of, Alex and I built a bit of a gym in our garage, and that's where we were doing most of our Olympic lifting. Um, and you got a barbell for Christmas or, or for your birthday or something? Yeah, I did for my birthday. Um, he got me one, and then with the rest of my birthday money, I bought a bunch of <laughs> plates. Um, yeah, so I would say uh, my Olympic lifting is probably my main focus right now. Um, I don't do a lot of snatches because I still have a shoulder that likes to pop out every now and again. So I don't do a lot of um, snatches, but still lots of clean and jerks, and then everything's kind of accessory motions from there. My records compared to when I was in university, like when I was throwing, I thought I was a big, strong, in my mind, I thought I was this big, strong athlete. But even just looking at the numbers, like compared to what I was doing then when I thought I was the athlete, I'm, I've doubled most of my numbers of what I was doing then. Wow. So, um, Which yeah, you would attribute most to? Um... Being a little bit more aggressive um, and not, uh, I don't know, pushing myself a little harder, plus technique. I've taken, um, in university, it was just kind of the throwing coach that taught us how to lift. And since then, I've taken a few Olympic lifting um, courses. I mean, I probably watch at least 30 videos a day and analyze things and I'm coaching other people so it reinforces what I do so my technique right. is probably gone through the roof of compared to what it was I mean it's nowhere near perfect but um it's a lot better than what it was um which and my overall strength is probably a lot more so therefore my lifts are just better in general right okay so the snatch and the clean and jerk what is it about the clean and jerk that okay what's the issue with your shoulder specifically it, um it just, it that won't... original time when I was playing hockey in high school and I dislocated it. Mm -hmm. Um, it basically my labrum's very loose now and a lot of, it's usually an unexpected motion where my arms up, it'll just pop out. Nothing like, to do with my elbows. Like, my elbows are fine now. <laughs> right. It'll go completely like, not like a sublux, but like the full lux. Um, depends on what I'm doing and depends if I stop it in time. But yeah, um, one day a few months ago, I was doing handstand walks, and that was handstands were a big thing because I just assumed I could never do handstands because of my shoulder. And then, yeah. kind of, I built myself up, and I was starting to do some handstand walks, and it came right out. And I'm lying on the floor like somebody. <laughs> <laughs> Usually, it's only out for a few seconds, and then I can kind of like roll a certain you'll, way you'll and pull put the it back Mel in. in, and just bam. Yeah, or if. I'll go to give someone a high five or something and it'll sublux and just kind of go out and then come back mm. in again. And it's not painful per se, but it's just a terrible feeling. So the positions that you avoid and the positions that you're good with, if you're going to advise someone else with kind of like a similar injury, obviously mm. you say that clean and jerk is, is, is pretty okay. Um, yeah. so what it is, what is it about either the position or the transition that, makes that less of an issue uh compared to the snatch. I think it's just the elbow position because as soon as my elbow's kind of in line it's perfectly fine I'm nice and strong here but as soon as um 
my hand gets anywhere away from my midline or mm -hmm. like in the snatch receiving position in overhead squats or even um, doing like toes to bar where I'm hanging on the bar and you're trying to like bring your feet to the bar and your hand goes from directly over your shoulder to kind of in front of you. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's generally where, where the limit of what it can do goes. Have you thought of giving kettlebell snatches a try or do you implement those? Because that, um, yeah, I do do them. Yeah. 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 You do do. I do do. I do do them. Yeah. Um, Fantastic. Actually today in our CrossFit workout, it was like a hundred kettlebell snatches for time or something. Fantastic. That's, that, that, that sounds like a workout I'd take part in for sure. <laughs> um, okay. Excellent. Um, so let's, uh, let's kind of move on now. Let, so we talked about kind of your personal development. Let's uh, dig a little bit deeper into, into the, the CrossFit realm. So personally, what I want to know, because I was actually a bit surprised when I heard that you opened a CrossFit, um, my question would be why affiliate your gym with CrossFit instead of kind of going your own route? Um, well, my business partner that, uh, I've opened the gym with his passion is CrossFit. He loves it, lives it, breathes it. And, uh, I really enjoy it just because it gives a chance for normal everyday people to do Olympic lifting. Um, and then everything else is fun. Like I find CrossFit really fun to do. And, uh, yeah. So when we started collaborating and kind of shooting ideas back and forth, it was, it always included CrossFit. Um, that was kind of his his dream too. So is it is it more fun because you get to do like some some fun, cool Olympic style lifting stuff, but you get to mesh it with other movements, and you kind of do it in this atmosphere where it's not like kind of this strict, rigorous Olympic lifting kind of uh, you know vie for a spot on the national team kind of atmosphere. Yeah, like what I'd, uh, I've done it for probably three years now. And uh, it's definitely, I mean, CrossFit didn't create anything new. They didn't come up with any new methodologies. They just meshed everything together and said, here you go. Do here it. You in, go. Yeah, do whatever <laughs> you want with this. Um, so I don't know. It kind of meshes together everything that I've done. Like in, in university, we did a lot of powerlifting, Olympic lifting which is pretty much what, uh, like the way our programs, we have our program built up is that it meshes a lot of powerlifting and Olympic lifting and then whatever the fun little Metcon is. Or then we also do strongman stuff too. So we're basically just incorporating any different style of training and in a, yeah, I don't know what I'm trying keeps, to say. Keeps it interesting. In a super fun atmosphere. <laughs> In a super fun atmosphere. But it keeps it interesting, right? <laughs> yeah. I guess that's that's kind of the main thing. So do you try to fit your gym into the CrossFit mold, or do you kind of go out of your way to try to make your facility unique? I mean, obviously you're a CrossFit affiliate, but I mean, I you I, you told me before that there are some kind of things that you, you might do a little bit differently. So, mm -hmm. well, what makes your CrossFit different from other CrossFits, basically? Um, I think we definitely put a very high emphasis on strength and mobility. And I know a lot of CrossFit gyms do that too, but our main focus isn't the Metcon. Like our main focus isn't just the high intensity 
training. That's definitely a part of it, but our main our main focus is having people move as best they can and being as strong as they possibly can and then adding in the rest of it after that. Um, like I had mentioned, generally our rule is if you can't do five strict pull-ups, you have no business even trying to do kipping pull-ups. So we basically put the emphasis more on be strong, be stable, and then move in those kind of higher higher efficiency those, movements. Those more complex dynamic movements, add those in later kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, that's a good philosophy. And a lot of... Uh, you know, quote unquote, functional training coaches kind of follow that same route where it's like build the stability and yeah. then you can, you can dip your toe into the mobility stuff and kind of yeah. put, put it all together. But it's, but it's, it's scary because not a lot of places do that. Like I just did an assessment with a guy last week and one of the things where I wanted to see how many pull-ups he could do in a minute. And he's like, well, I can't do a real pull-up. So I got him to show me his pull-up and he could not do a pull-up to save his life. And he could do 27 kipping pull-ups in a minute. And I'm just going, oh, my. But he wasn't <laughs> How like, are your shoulders? He wasn't, like, obese or anything? No, no. He it just was, couldn't do a – didn't have the strength to do a pull-up, but he could do rip-off kipping pull-ups. Now, how, how, how much do you have to re-engineer that pull-up when you've got someone who does X number of kipping pull-ups but can't initiate – that strict pull-up oh it's even just being able to like activate your entire body and coordinate your body and like get the legs pointed and your quads tight your butt tight and your abs tight to be able to pull oh it's it's kind of sickening <laughs> <laughs> all right crossfit level one course i have i've never done it so i have no idea what it's like tell me about it where where um, where did you take yours? When was it? And uh, what was it all about? I did it uh, almost two years ago now um, at uh, CrossFit Coliseum in Toronto. Well, pretty much Etobicoke. Um, it was two days, like eight till four, I think, both days, or eight till five or something. And it was a lot of theory. Like, they basically teach you their methodologies, teach you what makes CrossFit what it is, what makes it different, um, and then teaches you kind of what they consider being the nine nine fundamental movements, I believe, which are like um, squats, overhead presses, things like that. Um, and then... That, that you was kind only of... two, Sarah. <laughs> um, well, I was, I'm trying to cram everything into the weekend that we did um, and then you would break off into groups and go over each of the movements and kind of do it yourself get coached coach someone else how to do it um, um, and then we did a workout at the end of each day yeah they would put us through like the one day we did Fran which is kind of a token crossfit workout a 21 15 9 of pull-ups and thrusters um, and then the second day was pretty much the same thing. Went through more of the movements and finished with a workout. And then we had a little exam at the end. Not, not little. It was kind of stressful. This is like a written exam? Yeah. 
Oh. It's not stressful until you see all the people that walk in the door that had to retake the exam. And you're like, oh, shit's getting real. Okay. But you didn't have to retake it. No, no. Yeah. Um, yeah, they basically, they give you a reading material beforehand to go over, like, all the course material to right. read. So you read it, you go through the course. It's nothing, again, it's nothing earth-shattering. They didn't create like invent something new. They basically just took components of everything else and made a program out of it. Gotcha. Came home, came home with a t-shirt. And that, and that, at the end of the day, that was the, uh, that was the goal. Come home with a t-shirt. <laughs> well, and you get, and you get your level one certificate and it was pretty good networking too. Like you get to meet, there's probably 60 people in our class all from, I mean, there were some people from England and Jordan and, yeah, there was people from all over the world that came. <laughs> Isn't that just Toronto, though? No, there was one woman that specifically flew from Jordan. It took her, like, <laughs> 20 hours to get there for this course. That's, uh, that's commitment. Mm -hmm. um, fun fact, I have a kettlebell from CrossFit Coliseum. Hey, there you go. <laughs> I bought it at Winner's. It actually has their uh, their little uh, their logo on there. That's funny. Um, it's a huge gym. It's a really nice facility. I've never been. It's nice. Uh, do you know if it's changed much? Is it is it in the same place it was when you first went there? I assume so. Like what I heard from also talking to other people about the people that run it. I I don't think I met them. I don't think they were the owner was at the course, um, but. Uh, I think they did a lot of research into where they were going to put the facility so that they didn't ever have to move mm -hmm. if they grew out too much or anything. So I believe they're still there. Um, I'm not sure if they've changed anything, though. So aside from the T-shirt, what would you take away from that weekend? Um, that I was really scared for other trainers that were just taking this course and this was their only knowledge of lifting going to train other people like they have so much information that they try and pack in so like we went over snatch in about four minutes with a dowel mm -hmm. and that was it that's the only information we had on teaching someone how to do a snatch right um it's the basic if, it's the basic coach kind of certification formula though right i mean it's not like yeah we can, we can go you know CrossFit trainers are no good because they, they spend a weekend learning what to do and then they go out and open a gym. Well, it's kind of the same with all the other ones, right? It's the same with all the other certifications. It's a weekend certification and a lot of them don't even have a physical component. I mean, at mm -hmm. least in, in CrossFit, Agatsu, RKC, which I think is arguably the one that kind of started the the physical kind of component component of a, of a trainer certificate. Um I mean, that's, uh, how do you think that, does that kind of um, thin out the pack? Does that separate the uh, the posers from, you know, the, the, mm. the, the non-posers? Yes and no, because for the most part, most of the people that are there, this is not their first interaction with CrossFit. Like, these people have been lifting for a long time. These people have been going to a gym, getting coached by others, or they're, coaches already that are trying to expand and grow more. So for the most part, most people have a fairly solid foundation or so what I, I could see anyway. So this 
this wasn't their first interaction, but with the Olympic lifts and movement and stuff like that. So uh, most people are coming to it with a passion for this stuff and they just want to, you know, learn as much as they can and have the certification. So I don't think anybody from off the street who has no background in fitness is going to go to this course and try and open up a gym. You know what I mean? Like most people, mm-hmm. most, most people know what they're doing already and they're just verifying it. Right. Getting, getting the credentials on paper. How do you feel about a CrossFit gyms where you go to the website and you look at the staff info and you see that all of their certifications are CrossFit? What's your opinion on that? What, what, um, what's, what's your kind of, I mean, it's, it's not always right to be presumptuous, but uh, I mean, how would you feel about your coach if all of their um, information was kind of from, we'll say, the same doctrine? Mm-hmm. Um, I'll start with saying how, no, that's not what you asked. I was going to say, basically, I've tried to do my certifications by everything else. Like when I buy, even when I buy lifting shoes, I'm going to all the power lifters for their recommendations of what shoes they're going to recommend for you to use and what they use for my own personal use. I get my Olympic lifting certifications from Olympic weightlifters. Um, So I think that definitely kind of slants my opinion maybe on what I think about when people are just going to the, the, the CrossFit certs. But having said that, things are judged differently. Um, like if you were to go to an Olympic weightlifting competition or something and compare it to a CrossFit competition, their standards are judged differently. So someone that has their background all in the CrossFit um, certifications they're going to know how to apply those movements specifically to CrossFit a lot more than say I do because I make my standards all Olympic weightlifting standards. Mm -hmm. Whereas, you know, CrossFit, you can get away with a little bit more. Um, Even the HQ, like they'll upload those, those videos on uh, efficiency tips, right? mm -hmm. And um, a a lot of those things, yeah, they can be efficient, but, uh, I mean, a lot of the times, efficiency is uh, is mistaken for what's really economy. And the, basically, the difference is efficiency is you get the most out of what you put in. Economy is you put in the least amount possible. Mm-hmm. And so there's kind of a, a very fine line there. Um, and so sometimes, like exactly what you say, the, the standards are a little bit different. Like in a powerlifting competition, um, when you deadlift your – your barbell you can't just drop the weight down you have to Mm -hmm. bring it down otherwise even if you stand up with it it doesn't count yeah but we tend to reinforce that habit of dropping the bar from the hips Mm -hmm. after a rep or what have you um so i mean yeah that's that that's an interesting point um so from that level one course i mean did you leave it with like information that you're like oh I'm going to use this um in my next training session like with a client um I think a lot I think the biggest thing I took away were some of the gymnastics cues 
that we had learned. Because I'm not, I don't have. You're not gymnasty? No, I don't have a back. Like, I didn't do gymnastics as a kid. Um, it's just kind of what I've picked up via CrossFit, um, which is one of my biggest downfalls. Because, like, I want to be able to teach as much as I can. But it was just like, right. holy shit, there's a lot of strong people out there <laughs> and people yeah. that can move well. But that's what I took out of it. Perfect. What would you change? Theoretically, hypothetically. About the certification course? Yeah. If you, did you, leaving it, did you feel like something maybe could have been tweaked or approached differently? And I know that you mentioned, you know, four minutes with a dowel on snatch. You know, well, and now they have like changed it. Like it's not just, they've got like a tiered system now where there's, other certifications that you can go to. So they have, I think they've gone through and kind of found what their faults were in just having a level one and kind of tweaked it. So now you've got to, you know, recertify quicker or sooner than what they had before. There's different tiers that you can do, different certifications that'll get you um, like a higher tiered coach um, so that it's not just, and I'm not, I might be mistaken, but um, I'm not sure if a, just being a level one is good enough to open a gym now. Don't quote me on that, though. But I haven't fully read what all the different tiers are of uh, the different coaches. But right, I hear yeah. So they have gone through and they have changed it since then. Mm -hmm. Do you think that is a money grab, or is that a legitimate attempt to um, refine what they've got? Um. Well, oh, being I an affiliate from CrossFit, <laughs> um, let me just say that they aren't cheap. They're not cheap. No, but then again, this they're in the realm of the going rate. Well, this one's probably double what you would play, pay for a normal certification. It's double uh, what I paid for my for my first kettlebell certification. Although I did pay over a thousand for my the one I'm currently working on. So yeah, it's, yeah, they're uh, kind of, I think the playing field's kind of getting leveled on that respect. Yeah. Um, you don't agree. I think, let me just leave it as I think CrossFit has done a really good job of branding their marketing, their brand, I should say. Vir and virtuous. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> because people will pay it and yeah. they will continue to do it. So mm. yeah. Fair enough. <laughs> um, okay. So digging deeper still, do you think CrossFit still embodies broad, general, inclusive fitness where kind of fitness pursuits share common ground with health pursuits with respect to the client or is CrossFit getting too far away from those ideals and is becoming more focused on the performance aspect? Um, for example, the games, cause the games are, mm -hmm. you know, they're really popular and they're getting popular, more popular every year. And now we've got, you know, that, that fitness league. That's mm -hmm. come out, right? So, yeah. Uh, yeah, what's your take? Um, well, I think it's, I don't know. It's kind of like looking at minor hockey and the NHL. Like, people aren't good getting into minor hockey with the expect. Well, they might be getting into minor hockey that, with the expectation that they're going to go to the NHL. But most people just um, would join a regular CrossFit gym that's close to them, not with the expectation that they're ever going to go to the CrossFit games, but just that they want to learn different things, have fun, um, and just get a great workout out of it. So I think for the average person, it probably hasn't 
uh, affected the way that they train purely pushing it to performance. Mm -hmm. Um, but definitely for competitive athletes, um, yeah, it's definitely with all these new things. Cause now, like you said, they have the grind league and then they, or the grid league. Um, and then, uh, they also have the team, the team aspect now. Right. I think that's, that's just kind of the way that it's, the sport is evolving. Like it's almost like they're trying to make it, not that they're almost trying to, they're trying to make it into an actual sport and not just fitness. So I think that's a good thing, the way that it's kind of going, because it doesn't really, if it's just fitness, it does not get a lot of notice and most people don't recognize it. But now that it's actually a league, I think it'll become more um, widespread. Right. But um, again, average person, it's not, that's not really affecting their goals, I don't think. Okay. Or from what I can tell anyways. Okay. Here's a quote. Strong is the new skinny. You've heard that one, right? Yes, I have. <laughs> uh, are we actually seeing a paradigm shift in the female body image? What's your take? Yes and no. There's, I don't know, it's a fine line between showing the female figure is strong and the borderline of like, I don't know, pornographic <laughs> images of I, women going work out there. Out porn. Work well, out porn. Well, it's totally. pretty much is. And like a lot of, it, I don't know, especially with CrossFit, because you see them wearing like their little tops and their little like shorty shorts to work out in. And most women are not comfortable wearing that when they work out. Like the average woman would not wear that when she works out at all. Um, so I don't know what the, I don't know if they're just trying to build sales. Well, there's <laughs> a reason why we have, why there are women's only gyms, right? Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah. That's, that's it. Do you think, um, the girls who do partake in all of that attention, you know, kind of approach it differently then, and that maybe they approach fitness differently. Do you think uh, a, a female who approaches fitness from the strength aspect, they have a different opinion of, you know, what constitutes workout porn as opposed to the average woman who'd go to, you know, the women's only gym? Well, I think that, uh, one, it probably has increased women's self-esteem that they don't have to look a certain way and they don't have to be this skinny little slim, you know, fit into a size zero type of pants. But then at the other side, it gives, I don't know. Maybe an unrealistic expectation of how strong yeah. they should be. Yeah. And then you also these have girls people. are pushing some serious weight. Yeah. And then you also see it on the other way. We even... Um, have a lot of guys, or even looking at it from the guy's perspective, there's a lot of guys that even men that come into the gym that make comments that you don't want to look that way. Like you don't want to look like those women that do the games. So, I mean, there's never a right ideal about what a woman should look like. Okay. Good answer. Good answer. Um, all right. Moving on from CrossFit clients. Oh, here we go. What's your, <laughs> what's your most embarrassing moment with a client? Embarrassing moment? And don't lie, because I'll know. Um, no, I'm trying to think. 
I do tend to talk a lot, and so I tend to put my foot in my mouth a lot. Like I'll, I don't know, go off on a tangent without knowing that that has personally affected the person that I'm talking to. So that's happened quite a bit, where just my mouth gets me into trouble. But I don't think, uh, I don't think there's ever been any seriously embarrassing moments. And this could either be like embarrassing for you or embarrassing for them. Okay. But you're both. Kind oh, of, I do have. I do have one. Part. Um, where I was at the end of my day, like this was probably a month ago and, uh, I'd been at work all day wearing the same clothes. And then I was teaching like Romanian deadlifts to everyone. And then one of the males in the last class or no, one of my friends was in the last class and she comes over and she's like, ah, Sarah, I, I don't want to make a scene, but like everyone can see your underwear. And I'm like, <laughs> what and then one of the males in the class was like oh are you talking about her underwear yeah we already all know about it <laughs> oh god no and yeah then it turned into that wasn't has everyone today seen subtle. my underwear that's probably my most embarrassing i would say that um, Damn lululemon that's that's pretty much par for the course i mean if you're a trainer in a gym there's got to be at least one point in time where the majority of your clientele is going to see your underwear i was i was teaching uh, a kettlebell class next door to the, the, the gym of which we do not name um, <laughs> in, the, in the affiliated space. And, uh, and I was demonstrating a kettlebell swing and my pants ripped from... <laughs> I think like, I remember yeah, that. Yeah, the seam in my pants <laughs> ripped. And so this is like, you could fit a basketball through this hole. And so my <laughs> ass is just hanging out. But, of, you know, I was wearing underwear, so, you know. It was okay. But yeah, in the middle of a demo. And I'm like, ah, screw it. Let's just keep going. It's <laughs> like, what can you just do, right? I it. have to keep teaching class. Like there's yeah. at least like half an hour left. So yeah. it's just one of those things you have to deal with. Yeah. Um, client from hell. Do you have any anecdotes? Um, I'm trying to even think back to the personal training days, but... Or maybe even a theoretical client from hell. I think my worst is just a client that doesn't listen and thinks that they know everything and that what they're doing is the greatest thing that's ever happened. And no matter <laughs> what you say to them, like inside your body, you're just like, you want to scream at them. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I've had a few of those before that just have this idea that what they're doing is right and nothing you can say is going to change it or totally now does that is that does that usually happen more with maybe like retired uh step class instructors or is it just like the you know the random average person um no it could be anything from like a really young cocky male to like an older woman stuck in her ways that she's not changing yeah I wouldn't say there's one stereotypical person. So they can pop there's... out and get you anytime. Totally. Um, what do you think are the most common psychological barriers that prevent your clients from reaching their goals? Mm. I don't know how, how deep into this stuff you get with kind of your, your everyday clients, but I mean. Um, I think just not people not knowing how far they can push themselves so they don't know how hard to 
work. Like, this is something that, because, I mean, we just started up a CrossFit, and there hasn't really been um, anything like this training around this area. I know it's been everywhere else for a while, but nothing like this is really around this area, whereas most people are most concerned or most content doing, you know, step classes, things like that. Um, so getting people to push themselves to figure out what their level 10 is, mm-hmm. is probably the biggest thing you that's you getting in You only take them way. up to level 10? I go straight to 11. <laughs> what have you been doing no, all this but time? Like, but that's probably the biggest barrier is that they think they're working really hard. And I mean, yeah. in their mind, they might be, but you know, you can see the potential that, that they have in there, but they don't know what their 10 is to know what an eight feels like. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And, um, and sometimes it's not just, uh, strictly like a mental or psychological barrier that prevents them from getting to level 10. It's like, they literally don't have the skills to take themselves mm-hmm. to level 10. Like they don't have, like I had uh, a client, I had her do some some farmer's carries, right, with a couple of uh, uh, 12 kg bells. And I'm like, mm-hmm. do you, and she looked fine. She looked great. And she, she picked them up and put them down with good form. I'm like, uh, I'm like, you want to try the 16? She's like, oh, no, I can't do it with those. I can't pick those up. Yeah. It's like they're 4 kg each heavier and you can't pick them up? No, yeah. I, you can pick them up. I <laughs> Like, you, don't worry about it. But... Um, I mean, I guess that's more of an example of that mental barrier, but sometimes they just don't have the, uh, physical integrity to maintain position, right. To maintain form, to execute the task properly, Mm -hmm. right. You start jacking up the load and they just break apart. And so they're stuck forever in that, you know, low level, that low intensity kind of exercise zone because either they're. I don't know, too lazy or they just don't have the skills to maintain good form. Does that ring true? Yes. Yes. (laughs) Um, Yeah, I've definitely seen that a lot, but I think a lot of people, especially the ones that have kind of started with at the beginning of our CrossFit program, they're now kind of seeing that they can do things because they've done a lot of things that they didn't think they could at the beginning or even um, let's say an example of someone doing a handstand. Um, like we'll have people in our strength and conditioning program do handstands and a lot of the first response is, well, I can't do that. That's impossible. Well, no, it's not. So when you actually go through and kind of show them the steps to get there, it's not just, you know, it's not just try it, you fail, you're done. It's there's X amount of steps to get to that position and it doesn't have necessarily happen to have that day but it's not impossible they just have it in their mind that it's impossible (laughs) yeah yeah well it's it's like you have to fail like umpteen number of times Mm -hmm. before you can you know expect to do it right consistently yeah yeah you you know you have to accept failure at some point you just you know you got to go through those steps Mm -hmm. um all right what are some of the most blatant misconceptions that your clients have about diet um, that if you work out, you can basically eat everything and anything and you can't, nothing negative will happen. <laughs> Bullshit. I've been lied to. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's probably the biggest thing. I'm reminded of a quote, uh, that, um, it's, it's, it's a shame to waste a good workout on shitty diet. Yeah. Right. It's, um, well, what wasn't you- that our saying was don't eat crap. <laughs> 
<laughs> well, I, I still I still think back about th- that time where you told me about the balls to the wall workout, <laughs> right? Can you explain yeah. to our listeners what the balls to the wall workout is? Or pro- I don't or even balls remember specifically program? what it was. I think it was just like work out hard and don't eat shit. <laughs> <laughs> That's exactly what it was. Work, go balls to the wall and don't eat shit. Yeah. <laughs> it's it's the most simple formula for success. Yeah. It's it's, it's number seven missing off of uh, Arnold's uh, six points. There you go. There you go. That's what he needed. Um, Just added a post-it note underneath your poster. <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'll go downstairs <laughs> and just tape it on there. Um, yeah, I mean, that's so heavily prevalent. I mean, it's just, uh, what do you think about, I mean, sometimes I have this this conversation and you hear, you know, it's 90%, well, I don't, I don't guess, I guess it's not 90%. People say it was like, like it's 80% diet and 20% you know, working out or gym time or exercise or mm-hmm. whatever word you want to use. But I'm personally of the opinion that's that's 50-50, if not 100-100, right? You need to be mm-hmm. all in on the diet and you need to be all in on the exercise. Yeah. Um, even if, like getting weight management out of the way, but if you are not committing fully to eating well, you're not going to be able to work out as optimally as you could. Like you're, you might have... Um, we'll have a lot of people that have like indigestion or something while they're working out or something like that. So it's going to affect the way that you work out if you're not eating the foods that best support your activity habits. So, I mean, don't eat a pizza before you try and work out and then expect not to feel like shit. (laughs) (laughs) Or, uh, or razzle dazzle. Yeah. Some cupcakes. There you go. (laughs) True story. (laughs) Um... So I definitely agree that you either... Like you work out and you eat well, you don't just work out so that you can eat like shit. <laughs> totally. Um, okay, so we, we kind of been touching on it, but what are some of the most blatant misconceptions that your clients have about exercise? And uh, you can get as specific or general about that as you want. Mm, probably the biggest thing that we've had to overcome in this area, that if you lift weights, you're not going to A, hurt yourself, uh, B, get super bulky, or D, uh, like just ruin everything that you've done with your cardio. Right. <laughs> Those are probably the biggest things that we've had to overcome with setting up a gym like this in this area, because that's generally the conversation that we have with people. I'll have someone come in and I'll explain what each program does, and they'll, as soon as I say the word like squats or something, well, I hurt my back doing squats once. I don't do squats. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and it's like, no, the way you do squats hurts yeah. you. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I, with, with uh, female clients, especially when uh, we talk about exercise and lifting weights, uh, one of the things I, I always try to reinforce is that, you know what, it's hard enough for a man to look like a man. Don't worry about looking like a man if you know if you're going to lift weights. <laughs> you don't have to worry about a thing. Yeah. Okay. Um I don't know, are there are there are there certain kind of uh you know quips or quotes like that that you'll kind of you know shoot at your clients just to kind of you know get them to think about something a different way or reframe an um, idea? I have a lot of really corny fitness lines that I'll throw out to people every now and again, but uh, 
I can't think of any off the top of my head. All right. Maybe we'll cover that on another uh, podcast. <laughs> um, now, this one I especially want to know. Uh, what's the one thing that you most often want to say to your clients' faces, but don't because they take it the wrong way? And they would take it the wrong way. Hmm. And this comes um, back around to those moments where you just want to scream. <laughs> um, it would be something like, check your ego at the door, get out. <laughs> something like that. But mm-hmm. that'd be the biggest one <laughs> that I'd want to say. Do you have a code of conduct for your gym? Like a like a, a written up kind of list of shit that you should and should not do? Not really. Um, I'm there enough that... If somebody's doing something that they shouldn't, I usually call them out for it. Like dropping the bars. If there's an empty bar and someone drops it, even from like four inches, like you can hear it across the whole gym. And you're just like, don't drop the bar. <laughs> like you're not going to use the bar if you're going to drop it. Simple Things like stuff that. like and respecting I, and I do your say tools. It out. Sorry? Simple stuff like respecting your equipment, right? Yeah. Uh, things like that I call people out for and I'll usually make it a little embarrassing for them so they don't do it again but um, I would say for the most part I mean we've got a small enough group of people that and everybody pretty much knows each other that etiquette's not really an issue but maybe if it if it becomes an issue we'll uh, we'll uh, write one up one day single leg stance work do or don't do and why um, we probably do it in the CrossFit once a cycle and in the strength and conditioning once a month. Um, like in our CrossFit program, we've got six week cycles. Mm-hmm. Um, and we usually start it with, um, some single, single leg stuff or some unilateral stuff. Was that your question? Yeah. And why? Just imbalances. Like we'll also do a lot of that stuff in our warm up too. Like we'll do some single leg mm-hmm. um, lateral movements too, just to correct imbalances, um, make the athlete overall s- stronger, and uh, yeah, just get them moving in a different plane. Do you um, incorporate a lot of that into your own training? Uh yeah, definitely coming from injuries, I've had to. Um, do a lot more uh, unilateral work. Okay. Um, yeah, I've started you- to add uh, add it back into my training because I've neglected it for a while. I think a a, a lot because of um, a lot of our kettlebell work is kind of unilateral, but it's kind of only unilateral from the waist up. Mm-hmm. So, well, you don't do any single leg swings, single leg kettlebell snatches. Not, so n- not regularly. No, no, but I've, I've gotten, uh, yeah, I've definitely added a lot more, uh, single leg deadlifts and, um, kind of, uh, tall kneeling, half kneeling chops and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, so, and, uh, for me in particular, it, it, it's been really helping me out with, um, some stuff, but, uh, let's move on from that. How much you bench? How much do I bench? Yeah. Um, with, with those broken okay. elbows ears. Yeah. My bench definitely went down. <laughs> I don't do as much as what I did probably in university, but I'm at about 120 now. Nice. Yeah. I re- much it was maybe 60 that. pounds for a while. <laughs> <laughs> Got to start somewhere. 
<laughs> I I remember in high school I I stuck with like the seventy five pound barbell for like the full year until I could do like thirty repetitions inside of you know well I don't I want to say well under a minute but under a minute it's yeah like bam 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 and then I come yeah. back the next year and I throw a couple forty fives on the plate which I've never done before on the bar which I've never done before I'm like whoa I can actually bench press this now yeah. it's amazing what a little bit of volume can do eh yeah uh, how much you squat um do you do more front know, squats done... these days yeah I, I definitely do a lot more front squats than i do back squats and i front squat about 165 and then i did that yesterday for three and then i don't know probably around 200 for back oh good yeah strong legs um, except but... for 250 deadlift is beyond me you can't quite get there no, I've been at like two thirty for the last four months. Hey, two two plates though. That's, I mean, for mm-hmm. for, for I don't want to sound sexist, but for a girl, even for a guy. <laughs> well, even r- really, to be frank, even for a guy, like, you know, I'm sure. I don't know what your demographic is like, but I'm sure for a lot of your male clients, even that still, you know, that's one of those barriers, right? The two twenty five barrier. Mm. No, no, because even in like our CrossFit guys are pretty strong. Like they all have pretty much all of them are over 300 on a deadlift. Mm-hmm. Um, even like our strength and conditioning guys, I think the lowest is about 260, 270. And the rest are like 300 to 400. Wow. That's excellent. Yeah. yeah. Snatch. I know that you said your snatch is kind of like you don't really practice it. Maybe we should just skip that one. Um, my max is, I think, 105. But, I mean, oh. I haven't done That's not too shabby. It. Well, it's, it's not the greatest, though. Do you just throw that 105 into a Metcon? And then you're good oh, yeah. Yeah. I'll do it for uh, 30 snatches for time. For time, of course. <laughs> the modified grace. Yep. Um, clean and jerk? Uh, clean and jerk right now is about 155. And is still the kind of the toughest part about that, the shoulder? Is that, is that what holds you back? Maybe? Um, probably not. No? <laughs> no, You're kind physically. of tall though, right? Yeah. That bar's got a long way to travel. Yeah. I'm like 5'10", so. 5'10". <laughs> Are you seriously <laughs> just that tall? Just that tall, yeah. Well, five. I don't know. Is 5'10 considered tall? I mean, it's no six foot, but I'm bigger than the average crossfitter is like five foot five. So (laughs) what's your current training obsession? Obsession? Yeah. Like what what am I doing a lot? Is there something maybe that you, yeah, something like that or something that you're just like, you're totally focused on right now. And you're like, I have to fucking hit this number on this on this movement or just something that you really like doing right now. And you're kind of ignoring everything else that you should be doing. Um, huh. Not really. I tweaked my back a few weeks ago. So I've just been doing like mad core exercises and (laughs) back strengthening exercises. So yeah. So you're, you're, that's probably what I start with and finish with. Sorry? You're all about the core circuits right now? Not really. I, I start with some core work and then I finish with some core work just because it's, I think it's what's holding me back from 
going heavier and other things. So right. that's probably what my obsession is. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. What's your current food obsession? Um, this could be anything. Sweet potato brownies. Sweet potato brownies. Now, yeah, I made that a few weeks ago, and then I ate most of it. And then I made it for, for my sister's birthday the other day, and then I had to taste it to make sure it was okay. Oh, of course. And I ended up only giving her like a half a pan for her birthday. Now, Sweet potato brownies. Would that qualify as like your current clean food obsession? Quote, unquote. Um... Well, they're brownies. I wouldn't say they're that clean, but... Um, I just naturally assumed. Sweet potato brownies. What's going on there? They're pretty much delicious. All right. Well, we'll have to uh, put up a link to the recipe. What... Um, <laughs> uh, that. So that being said, what is your... What's your go-to clean food? Um, Like meal or snack? Anything. Just your your, I, your the one that you default to the most that you can probably feel. eggs and spinach. Eggs and spinach. Yeah, like I'll put two eggs on the skillet with throw some spinach on it, and I probably eat that once, if not twice a day. Man, that is fucking sad. <laughs> <laughs> At least I have, like... we have chickens on our farm. We have a lot of eggs. <laughs> well, that's true. <laughs> um, actually, that's another topic I want to get to on another podcast. Is talk about some of that stuff, dairy farm and. Because you're on a dairy farm, right? Um, Primarily? Yes. my I work on my family's, but we don't live on it anymore. Oh, but you have chickens. Is that what you're saying? On our farm, yeah. Don't let, don't let the dairy board hear that, though. <laughs> they'll, they'll close you down? Um, yeah. So, so, <laughs> <laughs> you're not even joking. So uh, we're, almost, <laughs> we're almost done here. What does your current gym playlist look like? Oh, my goodness. Um, pretty much anything and everything. I've, uh, I started just playing my iPod when we first opened and then, uh, it died. So now I've been playing songs app and every day I go through a different playlist. So one day it'll be like a system of a down playlist of all like <laughs> some oh, heavier man. metal old school stuff. And then it'll go into like eighties rap. And then the next day it'll be like, I don't know, today's pop chart stoppers or whatever they're called and yeah every day is a mixed bag we had kids the other day a nine-year-old requested some classic rock so i was playing some acdc for them so yeah every day is a little different yeah i mine gets a little stale maybe i need to to hop on that is that like a is that a website or is that a program or what is that yeah, it's just a website that I go to, and they have different playlists for, like, moods, activities, Sweet. different ones for the day. I got to get on that. Um, it's pretty I find something different every day. Mellow Indie. Mellow yeah, indie. whatever you want. Throw on some Mumford & Sons while you do your Metcon. <laughs> okay, uh, second last question here. Do you offer some kind of nutrition package through your gym, through Rural SC? Um, not a nutrition package, but, uh, yeah, we kind of have an open concept of how, I don't know, everyone should be eating ish. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's not like a specific package that they would have nutritional counseling or anything like that. So they um, in the new year, sorry. So they don't have to, you don't have something that they can like purchase that you walk them through. It's just like, it's just 
they'll ask you a it's question just there. And, you get, and you give them tips. Yeah. Or... Um, in the new year, we're starting some um, seminars. So we'll do like a weekend nutrition seminar or something like that or um, whatever the seminar is. So yeah, they'll, they'll have that as a, as another resource. So they don't but, come back in January, like 20 pounds heavier. That's the goal. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, well, it's been a pleasure having you. I, I'll, if you're up to it, I'll definitely have you back on. Yeah, for Don't sure. Some other topics. Um, so last thing I'd like you to do, could you just kind of give our listeners an insight into your philosophy? Um, and that can kind of transcend, you know, training into personal life. But uh, yeah, just give an insight into your philosophy on creating su- success in your life and your job and uh, how our listeners can apply it to their lives and their training. Mm, philosophies into success in life. Oh, goodness. Um, well, my philosophy in the gym is like move well, be as strong as you can be, and that'll kind of float into the rest of your life. But mm-hmm. if we're just looking at life success, um, I don't know. Find something that you love doing and work your ass off to get it. I mean, ideas don't work until you start doing the work. So find something you got to do and work towards doing it. Dreams only become goals when you add a deadline to it, right? Boom. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> it's, uh, it's been a slice. Thank you very yeah, much. Yeah, thanks so much for keep, having me. I won't keep you any longer. And yeah, I've got uh, kids to pick up. And then you're going straight back to work? Well, keep on fighting the good fight. All right. Well, thanks for having me on. Yeah, no problem. Good to talk talk to you you again. Excellent. Talk to you soon. Yeah. See you, Sully.